We are continuing our series in Ecclesiastes. So today we just read Ecclesiastes chapter 3. I encourage you to turn your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, starting from verse 1. The book of Ecclesiastes offers uh, God's people wisdom for life in spiritual exile. Uh, Because of sin, humanity was cast away from God's life-giving presence in the Garden of Eden. And since then, we have lived in spiritual exile. Uh, Life away from God's presence is, is fleeting and disorderly. It's full of injustice and uncertainties. And Ecclesiastes teaches believers how to keep our focus on journeying back to God through all the trials and temptations we face here and now. Uh, So for those of you who are maybe joining us for the first time, uh, let me start with a review of our first two messages. And the main theme of Ecclesiastes is that everything is is vanity. Uh, The word vanity in Hebrew is is hevel. Uh, Hevel is repeated 38 times throughout this whole book, and it's repeated again and again and again to get across a point about life that everyone needs to understand. Uh, Life cannot be controlled or grasped, understood, or enjoyed in the way that people hope. A hevel means something like, like vapor or, or smoke. A smoke, it looks tangible, you, you can see it. Uh, like a cloud, it's something you feel like you can maybe like grab onto. But when you reach out and grab onto it, it, it disappears. Life looks like it offers value and significance, but in the end, it leaves you empty-handed. And so another way Hevel is translated is empty or, or meaningless. A life without God is empty. It's Hevel. And chapter 1 illustrates this point with a poem uh, describing the many repetitions of things in the natural world. Uh, the sun going up and the sun going down. The sun going up and the sun going down. The wind blowing this direction and then that direction. This direction and, and that direction. In chapter 2, King Solomon carries out a series of life experiments to to determine if life really is is hevel. And after spending his whole life pursuing uh, pleasure and wisdom and work, he concludes that it's all meaningless. Life truly is hevel. Chapter 3 continues to explore how life is hevel by looking at the human experience of time. And it does this by starting with another poem, uh, this time about the seasons of life. Uh, Before we continue, uh, why don't you pray together with me? Lord Jesus, we we come to you this morning in, in desperate need of you. Holy Spirit, would you reveal our need for you at this time? Would you reveal our need for your word, our need for your strength, our need for your wisdom. Would you open our eyes to see the beauty of Jesus, to see how uh, glorious you are, to see how wonderful and excellent and amazing you are. Would you help us to see something so great that it transcends all of the all of the vanity all of the hevel that we face in this life would you help us to see 
the hope, the great hope that we have in you. Would you lift us up? Would you lift our hearts up, God? Lift our hearts out of uh, the mire, out out of uh, the many things that worry us and, and trouble us, God. And would you give us rest? In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, so when I was a young child, uh, bedtime was 8 p.m. Uh, and the time right before bedtime was my favorite because my mother would spend time playing with me. Now, now of course, I didn't know bedtime was 8 p.m. until one night, uh, something clicked in my head. I realized that when the, when the small arrow points to 8, it's time to sleep. So when my mom wasn't looking... I had this genius idea to climb up on a chair and turn the arrow back to seven. (laughs) So when my mom came to tell me it was was bedtime, I told her, Mommy, it's it's not time yet. Look look at the clock. And she must have been really tired that night because she believed me and she said, okay, let's go play some more. And I was like, awesome, that's great. Now, now, Now when it came to bedtime again, I felt so bad about what I did that I broke down crying and confessed to my mom what I did. And she was not happy that I had manipulated time and taken an hour from her night. Now I know what to watch out for before Emery. <laughs> you know, have you ever wished that changing time was as simple as changing numbers on a clock? You know, have you ever faced a situation so, so painful you wished you could rewind to a better time or fast forward to when it's over? You know, there are many uh, movies, TV shows, uh, books about the idea of time travel. Uh, here are a few you might be familiar with. See, the media's obsession with time travel reveals a desire people have to escape the limitations of time. When going through a difficult time of life you want to avoid, when life suddenly changes for the worse and, and you're powerless to stop it, you know, have you ever thought, you know, I wish I could go back in time? Uh, but of course, no matter how hard we wish, the truth is we can't change time. We're, we're caught in its flow. All we can do is follow where it takes us. But perhaps you've found yourself asking when going through a hard time, why? Why this? Why now? Why God? And the bigger question behind this is, you know, what is God's purpose for life's times and seasons? What is God's purpose for life's times and seasons? Uh, The Bible passage this morning answers this question. It reveals four truths about the nature of time in a sinful, imperfect world to point out the reason behind it all. So we're going to reflect on each of these four truths and how they bring us to a conclusion about this question. And the first point is that life's times cannot be predicted or controlled. See, if you look at verse 1, it begins by saying, For everything, there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. The words season and time uh, mean the same thing. They they speak of a predetermined or appointed period in human life. 
uh, they refer to specific points of time that can be marked out and measured, days, months, years, decades. Uh, we're told that everything or every matter has a season or a time. Uh, so, so to summarize, every experience of life has an appointed time for human beings. Verses 2 to 8 then elaborates on this with a poem. In this poem, pairs of opposite life experiences are described, starting with a time to be born and a time to die. And th these pairs are not meant to describe every life experience. They are given to communicate something about all of life's experiences. You know, everything a person can experience between birth and death. Though the word time is repeated in patterns of seven uh, in, in the original Hebrew, you can't see it here, but it, it's, it's in patterns of seven because seven represents the number of completeness. So this poem is about all the different times people will encounter in life. And the examples given here are meant to help us reflect on life's experiences. It talks about emotions that we experience. You know, verse 4, mourning, weeping, laughing, rejoicing. It speaks of the experience of relationships. You know, verse 6, at times when you are close to a loved one and you can embrace them, and times when you're distant for various reasons. Maybe, maybe they're far off geographically and you can't embrace them. Uh, verse 8, times when you love and, and times when you hate. Verse 7 mentions human speech, times to be silent and times to talk and, and speak out. Life experiences are described in these contrasting pairs to point out the, the fluctuating nature, the shifting nature of the times of life. See verse 3, the, the, there's a time for breaking down and a time for building up. Uh, right now, the area around our church is in a time of breaking down. Uh, the buildings here are old. Uh, the building at the end of the street is scheduled to be taken down. You know, this building that we are in might follow it very soon. Uh, 50 years ago, it was a different time. It was a time when this building had just been built, and along with it, uh, the development, the building up of the school that's beside us. Verse 6, there's a time to seek and a time to lose, a time when you went job hunting for months and months and months, and a time when you quit that job. Verse 7, there's a time to keep and a time to cast away, you know, a time to keep living in your current flat, and a time to downsize and throw away some old things. The, the times or seasons of life swing back and forth, back and forth from the from the good to the bad, the negative to the positive, the joyful to the sorrowful, the ugly to the beautiful. The point here isn't for you to figure out the season of life you're in and live, in, and live accordingly. The point is that you can't control where the flow of time takes you. For everything, there is a season, there is an appointed time. You can't control when you are born. You don't know when the time will be for you to die. You can't determine when to plant something. The right season for that has already been determined. You plant rice in early spring, not in fall, or it's not going to grow. You, you can plan for a time to laugh, but it turns out 
to be the opposite. You, know, you plan a nice vacation only for you to end up mourning in quarantine. See, try as you might, you can't keep the good times going. As much as we want, we can't control the times of life. And not only can we not control them, we can't predict when they will come. You know, when will a time of breaking end and a time of building start? Uh, there's no formula to determine when. Just because you've been going through a long period of losing doesn't mean you end up with a long period of gain. You know, many people believe that COVID would be over by now, but we can't know exactly when the time of healing from this pandemic will come or be complete. Uh, I have a relative uh, in the restaurant business. He spent a decade in, in Toronto being very successful. Uh, he opened up like the most popular Chinese buffet in Toronto, China, China Buffet King. <laughs> and he made a lot of money opening several chains. He then spent the next few years losing it all. He had to sell everything. And now he's in Macau trying to build back another restaurant chain. Who knew what and when the times would be like for him? He was not in control over the t when the time to break down and the time to build up came for his life. Because life's times can't be predicted or controlled, the swing of time moves us in the seasons of life that we simply respond to childhood, teen years, middle age, elderly, each comes with a change in how we experience life. The point here is to recognize this truth and to stop trying to control life's seasons. Stop trying to manipulate life. Stop trying to move the clock where you want it to go. You know, people tend to only seek after the good parts of life and minimize the negative. And this is impossible. For every matter, there is a time both good and bad. This is the nature of life in a sinful world. Now, this being said, though we can't control them, though they're unpredictable, there is an order behind them. The times are set in a rhythm, in a cycle where they are sure to change. You, though you can't predict the, the when and how, you can predict the what. Uh, sooner or later, a time of speaking will follow a time of silence. A time to mend will follow a time to tear. You know, the past couple months has shaken the world. It's the first time that such a large-scale war has broken out in Europe since World War II over seven decades ago. But it actually shouldn't be surprising because verse 8 tells us there is a time for war and a time for peace. You know, as a whole, the world as a whole, okay, as a whole, the world has enjoyed a time of peace. It shouldn't be surprising that a time of war follows. It is the way the times are set in a fallen world. So we've seen the the shifting, uncontrollable unpredictable nature of life seasons. The next thing we're told is that life's times add up to nothing. 
See, after reflecting on this poem, verse 9 asks, what gain has the worker from his toil? You might remember this question from previous chapters. It's a question that's already been repeated twice before. It's been asked from the angles of pursuing pleasure and wisdom and work. Now it's being asked from the angle of the human experience of time. What does a person gain after experiencing all the many seasons of life? Uh, just, just a reminder of what some of these words mean. Uh, toil means the painful struggle, effort, and labor a person gives to live life. Everything you do is just to exist. Gain means additional surplus that outweighs what you initially gave. And the answer, after reflecting on the poem, is quite clear. It's, it's hevel. Nothing is gained. All of the contrasting pairs cancel each other out. Just like the sun in chapter 1 goes up and down and up again, doing a lot but getting nowhere, so the cycle of time swings back and forth, back and forth. Uh, the bad cancels out the good, but then the positive comes again, canceling out the negative, until in the end, you're left with zero. Nothing. Uh, life's times cannot be predicted or controlled. Life's times add up to nothing. Where is God in all of this? The question we're trying to answer is, what is God's purpose for life's times and seasons? The first half of this passage has said nothing about God. But starting in verse 10, God's role in all of this is talked about. It tells us that life's times are fittingly ordained by God. Verses 10 to 11. I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Why do people experience the cycles of life the way that we do? Because it's something that God has He's given to us. The word business here isn't referring to buying and selling things. It's referring to what takes up our energy and effort. So another wor word for business is preoccupation. God has given humanity to be preoccupied or to be busy with this cycle of time that constantly shifts back and forth from the bad to the good and back again. And though the timing of these shifts feel random, they're, they're not. They are given to each person by God. He makes them happen. He appoints the good and the bad seasons, the times of war and the times of peace. He has set the times of your life to swing the way that they do. Whatever time you are experiencing in life right now, for however long you will face it, it has been ordained by God. God has made the seasons of life to be experienced as they are, and God has done it in a way that's beautiful. <clears throat> the word beautiful here means beautiful in the sense that something is appropriate or suitable, proper, fitting. Beautiful isn't referring about the specific times of life, uh, times of killing, war, hatred, th th those are not beautiful things. Uh, but, like a but like puzzle pieces that connect together, 
the way that life's times, life seasons fit together is beautiful. There's a wisdom behind the times that can be admired. There's a sense that change in the rhythm of time is good. You know, whether good or bad, it doesn't seem right for times in life to stay the same and never change. Uh, summer is nice, but summer forever would not seem right. There is a time to mourn the death of a loved one, but not being able to eventually heal and move on in a healthy way to, to laugh again isn't good. In many of the movies where, where time can be changed to avoid a tragic event, the conclusion is that it's better to not have changed things. Spend the first half of the movie trying to change time, the second half of the movie trying to you know, fix it again. And the reason why, it's because it seems to dis disturb this order of things, this order of, of what's right. Well, what the Bible tells us is that God is the one behind it. He's ordered time in the way that is fitting and good. It shouldn't be changed. I'll explain this more in a bit. But there's one last point about this, about this in this passage that I wanted us to think about. And it's this. Life's times cannot satisfy the heart. Not only has God made time to work the way it does, verse 11 says, also he has put eternity into man's heart so that he cannot find out what God has done from beginning to end. Eternity means something that transcends time, something that's greater than time, something timeless. And God has put eternity into people's heart. God has put eternity into your heart. Meaning God has given you the desire for something greater than what you can experience in time. And God has given humanity the ability and capacity to understand not just the past, present, and future, but things beyond it, things that are eternal. This means that no matter how much life you experience and live through, you will not find what you're looking for in it. Because you were created for something more. The human desire to break out of the control of time and find something more, to find something permanent, is a desire that God has given to us. But here's the thing. God has put a desire for eternity, but at the same time, people are kept from finding out what God has done from beginning to end. In other words, people can't find the more that they desire. We are stuck in time, so we can't find out what happened at the beginning or what comes after. It's like we live life with our faces close up to one part of a very big picture, mosaic. And we're unable to step back to see this whole picture in all its beauty. Uh, God puts eternity in man's heart, but does not allow them to find everything about time to reach eternity. And, and here's where get, things get frustrating. God puts us longing for something more, but he makes it so that we can't find out what the more is. God gives a desire for something beyond our reach. We know there's more, but we can't find it because we're trapped in this cycle of time that God's designed. And this brings us back to the question. What is God's purpose for life's times and seasons? 
What is God's purpose for life's times and seasons? God makes everything beautiful in its time, yet we're not able to control or predict it. The rhythm of time is good, yet it leaves us trapped and leaves us unsatisfied. Why does God do this? And the answer is revealed in verse 14. I know that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. The main point of today's passage is that God sets the times of life forever so that people will worship and praise him with reverence. God sets the times of life forever so that people will worship and praise him with reverence. All that God does in time points humanity back to him. He is the only one who can satisfy the human heart with eternity. What God does endures forever. And the word forever in this passage um, is the same word as the word eternity. In verse 11, the human search for eternity ends in trusting the God who makes things endure forever. Time in a fallen world, away from God's presence, is unpredictably and uncontrollably, it changes. In contrast, what God does is secure and stable and unchangeable. What God does is effective. Nothing can be added to it or nothing can be taken away from it. In the midst of instability, God offers the stability of who he is and what he does so that people will fear him. The word fear in English has has several meanings. To fear God here means to respond and treat God in the right way. The correct response to God is to worship him, to submit to him as the Lord of all. Responding to God correctly means, means praising him. He is the blessed creator worthy of our adoration. Responding correctly to God also means reverence and awe towards him. He is the all-powerful, uncreated one, He is holy and set apart from all created things. To fear God means to respond with all of the above. If you praise God but don't revere God, you don't fear him. If you revere God but you don't praise him, you don't fear him. God has ordained time to work the way it does so that we would fear him. See, in the busyness and pride of life, people live believing, I am in charge and forget God. When you feel trapped in a season of life that you desperately want to change, it's God's way to humble you, for you to see that you are helpless before, before the one who controls your times. When life suddenly catches you off guard, it's God's way to make you aware of your dependence on him. You do not even know what times God has for you and when they will come. God wants to move your heart so that you cry out like the psalmist in Psalm 31, I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hands. God wants to bring you to the point of utter submission and reliance on him, and he wants to keep you there because it's only in this place that you can find the eternity that you were created for. 
It's in this place that you can finally look outside the busyness of your times and to turn to the eternal one in faith. Your times shift and change, but he doesn't. What he does endures forever. You can praise him for what he does because God has revealed it to us in Jesus Christ. If we can get the next slide, that'd be great. And Jesus came preaching, the time is come, repent and believe, the kingdom of God is at hand. The apostle Paul tells us what Jesus fulfilled. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as children. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. God redeems all of our times through Jesus. Jesus came to free us from the meaningless cycle of time that we live in. He came to bring us eternal life. On the cross, Jesus took on sin and all of its consequences so that we might be saved from them. He died so that you might be born again. Jesus was killed that you might be healed. He was broken down that you might be built up. Jesus wept and mourned that you might laugh and rejoice. Jesus lost his closest friends and family that you might be re reunited to God's family. Jesus was cast away that you might be found before God. Jesus kept silent when falsely accused that you might speak of God's salvation. Jesus was hated that you might be loved. And at the right time, one day, Jesus, who has resurrected and ascended into heaven, will come again to end all war and bring eternal peace for all who believe in him. Through Jesus, God will make all things beautiful in his time. Through Jesus, we can praise God through all of life's seasons, good and bad, because one day we will live in the eternity our hearts desire with all of the good and none of the bad in God's kingdom. God sets the times of life forever that people will worship and praise him with reverence. God has set how time works in this sinful world. God has set the time of salvation from this sinful world in Jesus. What season of life are you going through right now? What season of life are you going through right now? Uh, perhaps it's a time of mourning, silence, or losing. Maybe it's a time of healing, laughter, or love. Whatever it is, God has ordained it. He wants to point you back to him through it. God is doing this not just for the season of life that you are in, but in the season that Hong Kong is going through. For the time that EEC is in as a church. The question is, how will you respond? Will you let God do the work that he wants in your heart? Or will you harden your heart against him? I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. And God has made all of life's times fit just right so that you can see who he is and your need for him. 
See, no matter how bad times in life get, they don't last forever. Sooner or later, you find yourself in a good season. When life swings to the good, God is telling you, I am a God who is gracious, good, and kind. Seek me. Trust in me. But, but of course, uh, the good times eventually come to an end. Uh, when life swings to the bad, God is telling you, life without me is worse than you think. The consequence of your sin is much worse than what you are experiencing. Turn away from it and repent. For Christians, the season of life that we're put in is placed by God to remind us that this world is not our home. We can never enjoy things permanently because we are not there yet. When we experience the bad things, we're reminded that this life isn't our destination. So I want us to spend some time in in some quiet reflection and prayer. What season of life are you going through right now? Just spend a couple of minutes to reflect on this question. What season of life are you going through right now? How is God leading you to respond to him through it? Is it to praise him? Is it to revere him? To submit to him? Or both? for us as we enter into a time of worship. Lord Jesus, you are our Lord. Our times are in your hands. You are in control. You know exactly what we're facing in life right now. You know exactly what we're facing as a church. You know exactly what we're facing here in the city in Hong Kong. Lord, would you teach us to fear you? Would you help us to give you the praise that you do because your grace is so great, is so sufficient. It's more than efficient, sufficient for us in every circumstance, Lord. And as we experience the bad, Lord, would you help us to realize our need for you? That we live in a sinful world that isn't right. That we're not there yet. That we need to rely on you to take us through. Who Would you turn our hearts in these times of of suffering, of darkness, Lord, to the hope that we have in you. The hope that in Jesus, you will make everything beautiful. Would would you anchor that that hope more deeply in our hearts right now? In your name we pray, amen.